Hello, welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Shani Tarragon, and today we're going to continue learning Parashat Shmini together, albeit we're not going to actually hear this parasha in Biknesset for another three weeks. In Parashat Shmini, we continue to read about one of the most climatic moments in Am Yisrael's experience as a newly formed nation of Hashem. After seven days, during which the priests were taught about the work in the Mishkan, the eighth day, on which Moshe sanctifies them, has arrived. On one hand, the climax, the completion of seven days of Miluim, of preparation, and yet on the other hand, a commencement, the first day that Aaron and his sons will officially serve as Kohanim. Similar relationships of seven and eight days may be seen in the upcoming laws of Tuman Taharav, Spirata Omer of Shmini Atzeret that hopefully we'll discuss as we approach them. At the beginning of the parsha, we read, on the eighth day, Moshe called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Yisrael, Ziknei Yisrael, a very strange opening for why all of a sudden do we need Ziknei Yisrael? Rashi quotes the Tanhuma, Lahashmiam, Sha'al Pihadibur Aaron Nechnas, Umeshamesh Bechuna Gdola, Velo Yomru Me'elav Nechnas. Already as a deterrent for Am Yisrael to think that Aaron and Moshe, in a conspiracy fashion, arrange for Aaron to enter the Kodesh Kodeshim, but rather for them to hear directly from Hashem that Aaron was meant to serve as the Kohen Gadol and not of his own initiative. But they are also here to remind us of the last time wherein we saw Zikna Yisrael, another, even greater incident, the Brit the Covenant established between Am Yisrael and Hashem at Har Sinai. There we find Zikna Yisrael from the onset. The elders of Yisrael were involved in the revelation of God by Har Sinai from the very onset. And following the initial revelation of Aseret HaDibrot in chapter 24, Hashem tells Moshe, once again, Alei al Hashem, Ata varon nadav avihu v'shibim mizikne Yisrael v'shdachavita mirachok. Come up, you, Aaron nadav avihu, and the 70 of the elders of Yisrael to worship me from afar. As we explained in yesterday's Shi'ur, on one hand, the eighth day is a direct continuation of the revelation of Harsinai, Aaron and his sons, and therefore the elders of Yisrael, were already distinguished at Harsinai. And likewise, the priests, and especially Aaron and his two sons, Nadav and Avihu, together with the elders, are going to be the primary participants on this special day. After the seven days of the Mishkan's inauguration, the eighth day has finally arrived, and with it, the promise and anticipation of divine revelation. But in order to appreciate the significance of this event, it must be viewed from a broader historical perspective. At Har Sinai, Am Yisrael experienced divine revelation in a direct manner. According to the Ramban, this revelation of Sinai was meant to continue through the Mishkan in a less overt manner, and Moshe was therefore commanded to build the Mishkan at the beginning of his 40 days on Har Sinai. However, the Chaita Egel changed everything. It was not until Yom Kippur, when Moshe descended from Har Sinai with the second Luchot, that Bnei Yisrael achieved atonement for Chet Egel. But this was still not the end of the process of atonement. Immediately after Yom HaKippurim, Bnei Yisrael were commanded to construct the Mishkan. The Torah described the excitement that greeted this campaign for donations toward the building project to the extent that they brought even more materials than were needed. Apparently, this excitement arose not only from the thirst for the Divine Presence, but also from feelings of guilt for having fashioned the eagle. 
B'nai Yisrael have previously removed their gold earrings in order to design the Egel, and contributing towards the Mishkan, they were given an opportunity to offer their jewelry for the sake of the Mishkan and its vessels. Therefore, the very engagement in the Mishkan was part of the process of national tshuva for Chita Egel. The eighth day of the Mishkan's inauguration, the conclusion of the consecration process, was therefore also a day of atonement for the sin of the Egel. Am Yisrael had toiled for months to build the Mishkan, with the aim of restoring divine revelation reminiscent of that of Har Sinai. And indeed, following seven days of inauguration, God promised, on this day, God will appear to you. With great anticipation, Bnei Yisrael approached and stood around the Mishkan, with the primary character center stage, just as they stood by Har Sinai, awaiting an overt sign of expiation. The eighth day, therefore, marks the end of a lengthy process that began with Moshe's bringing the second Luchot and concludes with the Shekhinah's descent onto the Mishkan, a process reflecting a profound religious drama within Bnei Yisrael. Concurrent with this national drama is also an intense personal drama that we are supposed to be sensitive to, that of Aaron HaKohen. Aaron played a central role in Chit HaEgel, and undoubtedly, a poignant sense of guilt lurked within him. It is Aaron, then, who is appropriately called upon to sanctify himself and serve as the primary representative of the nation during the days of inauguration to atone for the sin of the Egel. Aaron, who took part in this transgression, is the one chosen to serve as Kohen Gadol so that Hashem's glory can once again appear before all of Am Yisrael. We already noted that Aaron is commanded to sacrifice an Egel as a personal sin offering on the eighth day, even though the standard Chatat for a Kohen Gadol is an ox, is a par. Rashi notes that this in fact comes to attain atonement for his role in Chita Egel. Chazal are very sensitive to Aaron's inner tension and explain the Pasuk, Vayomar Moshe el Aaron, Krav el Amizbeach, Vaset Chatatcha, Vetolatacha, Vachaper Batchao, Vadaam, Vaset Korbanaam, Vachaper Badam, Kasher Tiva Hashem. Moshe said to Aaron, Approach the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering accordingly. Aaron lacked religious self confidence as a result of his part in designing the golden calf. Some say, according to Chazal, that Aaron perceived the altar as having the form of an ox, and he was afraid of it. Moshe said to him, My brother, that of which you are fearful, be confident and approach it. For this reason, it is written, Approach the altar. The Ramban offers a psychological insight into this midrash. The reason for this is that because Aaron was sanctified to God and his soul held no sin except for the matter of the eagle, that sin was fixed in his mind in the manner of that which is written, and my sin is before me always. It seemed to him that the form of the golden calf was there, obstructing his atonement. Therefore, Moshe told him, Be confident. Do not be of such lowly spirit, for Hashem is already favorably disposed towards your actions. However, we find that even after Aharon finishes offering all the sacrifices and blesses the nation, the Shekhinah does not immediately descend to the nation. The Shekhinah appears only when Moshe joins Aharon. We now continue with where we left off yesterday, verse 22. And Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, according to Rashi, with Ferchat Kohanim, and it came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And this is wherein we all anticipate that the Shekhinah is going to be revealed. And yet the next pasuk, Moshe 
And then Moshe and Aaron went into the tent, the Ohal Mo'eh, they came out, they blessed the people. This time, Bihinoam, Hashem Elokinu, Masayadenu, Konana, Leinu, explains Rashi. And then the glory of Hashem appeared unto all the people. If I had a drum roll now, I would use it. And then a fire came forth from before Hashem and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, and all the people saw it, and they shouted, according to most Parshanim, from the terminology of Rina, they shouted shouts of joy and ecstasy, Perhaps being reminded of the manifestation of Hashem by Har Sinai, they recalled the fear that they felt as well and immediately fell on their faces. Chazal explained that before the Shekhinah appeared, Aharon felt that the fire did not come down because of his role and the sin of the eagle. And Moshe and Aharon came to the Ol Moed, the Sifra explains, when Aaron saw that all the sacrifices had already been offered and all the actions had already been performed, but the Shekhinah was not descending to Am Yisrael, Aaron stood and was troubled. He said, I know that God is angry with me. It is because of me that the Shekhinah has not come down to Israel. This is what my brother Moshe did to me. I went forth and I was embarrassed, for the Shekhinah did not descend to Yisrael. Moshe immediately entered with him, and they asked for divine mercy, and the Shekhinah descended to Yisrael. Therefore, it's written, Moshe and Aaron came to the Ol Moed. Many Parshanim point out that they went inside together to pray, to teach us that sacrifices alone do not atone. But just as Moshe's tefillah by Chet was necessary to assure a reestablishment of a relationship between Hashem and the people, so too here. I can only imagine the ecstasy of Am Yisrael at this moment, basking in the glory of the Shekhinah, reliving the closeness to Hashem experienced by Har Sinai. And then, in the midst of the celebration, as the festification reaches its pinnacle, when God reveals himself on the altar, suddenly a terrible tragedy occurs. Chapter 10, verse 1. And Nadav and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took each of them his fire pan, put fire in it, laid incense upon it, and offered a strange fire before Hashem, which he had not commanded them. And there came forth fire from before Hashem and devoured them, and they died before Hashem. The two sons of Aaron, Nadav and Aviu, came forward to offer and burn the incense, and as a result, they die. The manner of their deaths reinforces the terrible tragedy, since they are consumed by godly fire. When comparing the verses, it appears that the same fire that consumed the sacrifices on the altar also consumed and killed Nadav and Aviu, the Torah's way of presenting almost a two-sided screen. In other words, the same fire that symbolized atonement also burns Nadav and Aviu. Note the similarity of words. And the very next pasuk. Apparently, as the Rashba maintains, referring to the same fire. The deaths of Nadav and Aviu constitute one of the most enigmatic events of Sefer Vayikra. Firstly, because the sacrificial order is interrupted by narrative. And secondly, because of the brevity of this narrative. Two short psukim. The Torah refers to the offering of a strange fire that had not been commanded. Es Sarah Asher Lotziva Otam. 
Yet the underlying reason for the deaths of Nadav and Abihu, the cause of the violent punishment they suffer, remains quite ambiguous. In contrast to the Torah's brief presentation, Midrash Vayikra Rabbah elaborates no less than 12 distinct explanations for the deaths of Nadav and Abihu. Today we will explore some of the possibilities, beginning with Chazal through medieval Parshanim and contemporary exegesis. The plethora of explanations merely highlights the lack of clear explanation in the text of the Torah. If so, what exactly constitutes the sin of Nadav and Avihu? What is the real cause of their deaths? We begin with the theme of Aaron's participation in Chaita Egel, where we left off. According to one view in the Midrash, Aaron's sons died as punishment for their father's role and the sin of the golden calf. Even if we do not adopt this perspective of the Midrash, we cannot ignore the possibility that Aaron blamed himself for the death of his sons. Indeed, the phrase later, Vayidom Aaron, Aaron was silent, describing Aaron's reaction to their deaths, is interpreted not only as an expression of mourning, but also as a justification and acceptance of Hashem's judgment and punishment as part of Aaron's tshuva for Chet Egel. Admittedly, the Torah does not elaborate at any length on Aaron's tshuva, nor how he overcame his part in the Egel, in order to be worthy once again of serving Hashem as the Kohen Gadol. But these two words, Vayidom Aharon, is a means of the Torah offering us a glimpse into the drama that was playing out in the recesses of Aharon's soul. On the eighth day, Aharon's struggle with his sin reached a new and more profound level. The Torah will introduce the laws of the Yom Kippur service with the words, Acharei moch nebene Aharon, coming up in chapter Tetzayin, chapter 16. The Torah is teaching us that only at this point, following the eighth day of inauguration, that Aaron was permitted to enter the Kodesh Kodeshim. Only after the death of his two sons is Aaron told, Bizot Yavo Aaron ala Kodesh. It is only after Vayidom Aaron that full atonement for the sin of the eagle is complete. Now, Davin Aviu, who were not participants in Chita Egel, died when they tried to approach Hashem. Aaron's sons perhaps believed that they deserved to behold Hashem. According to one of the opinions of Chazal, in their arrogance, they entered the Kodesh without consulting with their teacher. They failed to understand that a mortal man, even the most righteous and the most holy, does not have the right to demand to behold God. Asher lo tiva otam, for God had never commanded. The license to enter the holiest of places is awarded specifically to Aharon, who, although he played a role in the sin of the Egel and profoundly felt that he had no right to behold God's countenance, knew that his invitation to enter this holiest place, the most intimate meeting with God, was granted not by right, but rather by God's mercy and compassion after he himself had sins and then performed tshuva. One message so far then reinforced through the deaths of Nadav and Abihu is as Chazal teach us in Masech HaBrachot of Lamedalet Amudbet, Bamakom Shebaalei Tshuva Umdim, Ein Tzadik Gamor Omed. The place where penitents stand, even the completely righteous cannot stand. The completely righteous who have never tasted sin, such as Nadav and Abihu, do not recognize the weakness and limitations of human reality. Therefore, they cannot occupy that special place before Hashem that is reserved for the penitent. The latter has experienced firsthand the impurity that surrounds human reality. He knows that his command and merit to stand before Hashem comes only as a result of divine mercy and compassion. He may represent the people who are seeking repentance. Note then how it's not enough that Am Yisrael receive a second set of tablets on Yom HaKippurim, 
but rather they must go through Yom Hashmini. They need seven days of Miluim, followed by Yom Hashmini, Aharon's Kabbalat Tadin, acceptance of the deaths of his children, and only then can be followed by another Yom Kippur wherein he can enter the Kodesh Kodeshim. As we already noted in our introduction to Yom Hashmini, the purpose of this day and the special role played by the Kohanim on this day was not only to serve as atonement for Chaita Egel, but now we're going to explore concurrently to relive the revelation of Har Sinai pre Chaita Egel. Moshe called the people to inform them that the uniqueness of this day, the special preparations, the investment in this day, was to allow for the manifestation of the Shekhinah. This is what Hashem has commanded you to do so that the presence of Hashem may appear to you. Moshe emphasizes that on this day, when the Mishkan is being inaugurated and the priests are beginning to carry out their work within it, Hashem asked to appear before all of the nation. The previous time Hashem appeared before all of Am Yisrael was when he established his covenants with Am Yisrael at Har Sinai. The Mishkan, as the Ramban explains at the end of Sefer Shemot, is essentially a means of perpetuating the same revelation that occurred at Har Sinai. The Sod explains the Ramban, the secret of the Mishkan, is that the glory that was revealed to all on Har Sinai will rest on the Mishkan. The transcendent glory that appeared to the nation at Har Sinai will rest continuously amongst them in the Mishkan, but this time in an imminent fashion. The eighth day, when Hashem will rest His divine presence on the Mishkan and will enter the new home prepared for Him by Am Yisrael, is the direct perpetuation of the one-time-only revelation of the Divine Presence at Har Sinai. To underscore the parallel events, we find three components that were present at Ma'amad Har Sinai and Ma'amad Yom Hashmini. Firstly, as mentioned earlier, the primary characters of both events are Moshe, Aharon, Nadav, and Abihu, and the Ziknei Yisrael, the elders. On Har Sinai, Moshe receives the Torah and actively forges a covenant between Hashem and Yisrael. At the same time, Aaron and his sons, the priests, are distinguished from the rest of the nation and accompany Moshe up onto the mountain because in the future, they will be the ones who will carry on and allow the Divine Presence to rest in the Mishkan. Secondly, in last week's Shi'ur, Parshat Sav, we mentioned that almost nowhere is there found a commandment to bring a karban shlamim, a peace offering, and certainly not a karban shlamim of the tibur, a public one. Public shlamim appear in the Torah only three times. The first time was at Har Sinai with the forging of the Brit. The second is an Ar Parsha, Yom Hashimini. And the third time is the commandment for future generations to bring a shlamim on Shavuot. Both are renewals and reminders of the Brit that was forged initially at Har Sinai through eating Shlamim, a joint feast with Hashem. And lastly, the most important element relating to the eighth day was the renewal of Hashra'at Hashrina, of revelation, as we mentioned at the beginning of the Shi'ur. By Har Sinai, the nation was fortunate enough to see Kvod Hashem, the glory of God revealed on the mountain. In our context, when the Mishkan is inaugurated and God stands ready to dwell within it, there is a need for another such meeting that will perpetuate that singular and unique contact that took place at Har Sinai. This is the reason for Moshe's focusing on this day on God's appearance, and this is the purpose of the day itself, Ki Hashem Nera Alechem, that the presence of Hashem may appear to you. 
With this in mind, we must re-examine the psukim focusing on Adab and Aviyu's response on this day to the divine revelation based on their first experience at Har Sinai. Rashi quotes the Midrash Halachav Torat Kohanim and the Talmud Bavli and Masechari Ruvin offering two explanations for why the sons of Aaron were killed by fire. Rabbi Eliezer said the sons of Aaron died because the Halacha goes according to Moshe, their teacher, and they decided on their own that the law required them to offer the incense even though Moshe did not command them to do so. Rabbi Ishmael learns from the Smichut Parshiot, the juxtaposition with the prohibition not to drink wine, that apparently Nadav and Aviyu were drunk from wine and in such a state entered the sanctuary and thereby deserved to die. According to Rabbi Eliezer, there's no real problem with the sons of Aaron offering up the Ketoret. Their sin, however, is that they did it of their own accord without a specific command from Moshe. Rabbi Ishmael separates their actions from the sin as well. The burning of the incense didn't cause the tragedy, but the violation of another law. The Rashbam, followed by the Chaskuni, raises another possibility, focusing particularly on the burning itself. In his opinion, before the fire comes down from heaven, Aaron's two sons brought their own fire. And this is their sin, the bringing of the fire. Because on that day, there was special significance to Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of Hashem's name, through the divine fire coming to the Mizbeach and consuming the sacrifices that both the Kohanim had brought on behalf of themselves and on behalf of the nation of Yisrael. The Rashbam doesn't necessarily focus on the Keturit, but rather on the idea of fire, how Nadav and Avihu brought fire which precedes the godly fire coming down from heaven. He feels that the reason for the deaths of Aaron's sons lies in their offering of this fire. But what was their motivation? It was not only a symbiotic response to God's manifestation of coming in the form of fire. God came to them. They wanted to bring fire to Hashem. But rather, their instinctive response based on their previous experience of revelation at Har Sinai. In the previous revelation at Har Sinai, Nadav and Aviyu went up together with Moshe up to a certain point to the mountain. They distanced themselves from the nation since they, the priests, would be the intermediaries in the future to continue the revelation of Har Sinai in the Mishkan. In Shemot, Perach of Dalid, we heard Hashem commanding Moshe, Alei el Hashem, Ata v'aron Nadav Aviyu v'shivim mizekne Yisrael v'ishtachabit emirachok. Hashem commanded Moshe, come up, you, together with Aaron, Nadav, and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Yisrael, and worship me from afar. In Pasuk Tet, verse 9, Vayal Moshe, Vaaron, Nadav, Abihu, v'shivim v'zikne Yisrael, Vayiru et Elohei Yisrael, v'tachat raglav k'maseh levnata sapir, u'cha'etzem hashamayim latohar. They went up, Aaron, Nadav, and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Yisrael, and they saw a manifestation of the Shekhinah. Initially, only Moshe and then the leaders of the nation began to ascend with Moshe and experiencing this glory. Only a few verses later do we hear that all the people merited seeing the divine presence. But at a time when Adam and Aviyu were already separated from the nation, they were already on top of the mountain with Moshe. It is certainly possible then that Adam and Aviyu did not even know that all the nation had merited seeing and experiencing divine revelation. And perhaps they reasoned that only they as priests were entitled to such an honor. The same consuming fire that Am Yisrael did see at Har Sinai, the Eshochelet, is revealed once again, Biyom Hashmini, on the eighth day, atop of the Mizbeach. 
And as the nation sees the Hashra'at Hashrina, their response to this remarkable event, and the people saw and shouted and fell on their faces, Vayaronu, Vayaplu Alpnehem. And at this very moment, Nadav and Avihu took up their pans, filled them with incense, and offered them before Hashem. That's because Nadav and Avihu, together with Aaron, have already been commanded to bring incense on a daily basis in order to form a cloud of separation and protection, a buffer for Am Yisrael, who will now live with a constant presence of Hashem in their midst. Whenever there is an act of divine revelation, usually through the manifestation of fire, there is a need for a Kohen to cover or to protect Bnei Yisrael from experiencing direct contact with God. Nadav and Aviyu apparently are worried that there will be direct contact between Hashem and Bnei Yisrael. If the divine presence is revealed and fire is falling down from the heavens onto the Mizbeach, then incense has to quickly be offered in order to block such a revelation. For after all, the eighth day is not just atonement for Chaita Egel. It is also a continuation of the revelation at Har Sinai. And then if so, the Nadav and Aviyu reason that only the spiritual elite are privileged on this day to direct divine revelation, and the masses are not entitled to such direct contact with God, just as they thought happened at Har Sinai. Apparently, they didn't know that just as the nation was allowed to see Hashem's presence at Har Sinai, so too on the eighth day, Hashem wanted and allowed all of Am Yisrael to experience divine revelation. So now the same fire of Hashem that descends and consumes the sacrifices on the altar continues to consume the Kohanim that are trying to cover up and screen this fire from the nation. I heard from Rav Yaakov Meidan two years ago that this is really a continuation of the warning that Hashem had given Moshe to tell the Kohanim by Har Sinai in Shemot chapter 19 when Moshe was initially called up to the mountain in the presence of the entire nation. Hashem had told Moshe, Raid ha'ed ba'am, go down and charge the people. Pen yehersu el Hashem l'rot v'nafalmi menurav, lest they break through onto Har Sinai and many of the people will perish. V'gam ha'kohanim hanigashim el Adonai yitkadashu pen yefrot bahem Adonai, and tell particularly the priests also those who are going to come close to Hashem to sanctify themselves, lest Hashem break forth with anger upon them. The time would come when the Kohanim would not be careful with their own boundaries. When Adav and Aviyu saw that after completing the slaughter and burning of all the sacrifices of day eight, the fire had still not come from heaven, they watched as their father and uncle went to the Olmoe to pray. But they inferred on their own that the reason that the divine fire had not come was because it would be too dangerous for the people. God must be waiting for the Kohanim to create the incense cloud of separation and protection, they told themselves. According to this approach, consistent with the Rashbam, Rav Meidan explains that the divine fire did not come down from heaven, but rather from between the Kruvim atop of the Aron in the Kodesh Kodeshim, as soon as Moshe and Aaron completed their tefillah. In the meantime, Nadav and Aviyot had entered the area of the Kodesh to burn the Ketoret upon the Mizbeach, and unbeknownst to them, the prayer of Moshe and Aaron had already been answered. So as the fire was coming from the Kodesh Kodeshim, they were literally killed by the same fire and the same line of fire. Literally, the fire exiting the Kodesh Kodeshim from the Aaron directly parallel to the Mizbeach HaKetoret, which is directly parallel to the Mizbeach HaChitzon, the altar in the courtyard where the entire nation stood waiting for Mahmad Harsinai, take two. 
I can only imagine the scene. Moshe and Aaron see the divine fire in the Kodesh Kodeshim. A moment later, Am Yisrael see the same fire consuming the Korbanot in the courtyard Mizbeach, and all are elated. A moment later, Moshe and Aaron leave the Kodesh Kodeshim, only to see the dead bodies of Aaron's beloved children laying at their feet as they exit to greet the ecstatic nation. How will they break the news to them? But firstly, how do Moshe and Aaron respond? Moshe explains to Aaron what has happened in the ensuing psukim. Vayomer Moshe Aaron, Hu asher diber Adonai lemor, Bekrovai ekadesh, V'al pnei kol ha'am ekaved, Vayidom Aaron. Moshe said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, Through those near to me I shall so- show myself holy, And gain glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. What is the meaning of the clause? Hu asher diber Hashem lemor. This is what Hashem meant when he said, Bekrovai akadesh, through those near to me, I show myself holy, ekaved, and gain glory before all the people. Rav Meidan maintains that this was the warning that God had already given Moshe at Har Sinai, that the Kohanim in particular must be careful, but not just careful not to play with divine fire, pardon the pun, but also to recognize the following. Granted that through those close to me, says Hashem, that I am made holy, namely the priests who have the honor of being close to Hashem and indeed make him holy. However, and gain glory before all the people, meaning that God also gains glory in this case through all the people and before the entire nation. God ideally wants to be manifest to all of Am Yisrael without any mechitzot, without any barriers between himself and his nation. So although Nadav and Aviyu were merely trying to protect the people, convinced that they needed a barrier to buffer the fire of God, they did not realize that at Har Sinai as well, Hashem was manifest to all. Nadav and Aviyu come to worship God in the Mishkan with an elitist perspective that gives the priests a special status and does not allow the simple Jew to draw near to the presence of God. This is consistent with many of the Midrashim that explain that the root of what Nadav and Aviyu did was ultimately rooted in arrogance, whether it's that they saw themselves as more righteous than their father who had participated in Chaita Egel, or that they as priests had this special status. Hashem requests that His divine presence be bestowed in a different manner before all the nation, the great as well as the small, the priests and the Israelites together, the penitent as well as those who perhaps have not sinned to the same degree. Hashem says, amongst everyone, I will gain glory. We will continue Bezrat Hashem tomorrow with the aftermath of the scene and further explanations for the Ish Sarah terminology employed here in the story of Nadav and Aviyu. Additionally, we will see how this brief narrative interrupts the regularly scheduled program of Yom Hashmini with a set of laws that will detail the ambiguous terms of Kodesh and Chol, Tumah and Tahara. In the meantime, wishing you a very meaningful day.